Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew tonight. As we'll talk about Kansas Speedway, Denny Hamlin, his 35th career victory, 5th of 2019. Is he the favorite for the championship? We'll discuss that. Plus, a very disappointing day for a few drivers at Kansas, but no more disappointing than Brad Kislowski, who is now eliminated from playoff contention after one of the worst weekends we've seen from that team in a long, long time. We'll also talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Brandon Jones got his first win there. And we'll talk about the playoff situation in that series as well. We'll also preview the Cup Series and Truck Series events from Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Truck Series, of course, in their playoffs as well as Cup. But trucks are in the second-to-last race before they uh, figure out the Final Four. We'll discuss all that as well here tonight in Talking Circles. And anything else that comes to mind here tonight, 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight to get in touch with the show. You can talk to me. You can talk to Philip. Anything you want to talk about from the weekend or, or previewing this weekend at Martinsville, we're here to discuss it tonight on Talking Circles. First, Philip, let's get to the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. Denny Hamlin was, was victorious, uh, his fifth win of the year, and led 150. The race is 277 laps. Truex led a little bit. Kyle Larson led a little bit. But really, uh, in, the clo- in the last uh, good portion of this race, it was really Denny Hamlin's race to lose. Uh, Chase Elliott had a really strong day. He needed to, to have this day um, to get into the playoffs. And, you know, he came in so far back, but they did exactly what they had to do. Second in stage one, that was nine extra points. And then he finished fifth, and that's five extra points in stage two. Those 14 extra points were really enough, and a second-place finish was really enough to push him through into the next round. He gets to Martinsville, Texas, and Phoenix. Uh, Martinsville is one of his best racetracks, so he can continue on. Uh, really, I, I know we, there's only one race winner per se, but really there were two winners on Sunday. One was Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott as well. I know Chase didn't get the win, and he wanted to get it, but he did all but it as he advanced being so far back due to Talladega and, and some mishaps at Dover, he was able to pull through and, uh, and advance to the, to the playoffs. What are your thoughts on Hamlin and, and Chase Elliott's day at Kansas Speedway? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it last week where, you know, we're thinking about Truex, the way he went through the first round and kind of dominating. He's been the best on the cookie-cutter tracks for, you know, about three years now. Uh, Denny did win at Texas earlier this year. He's having a the best year he's had since 2010, which was the last time that he truly was a championship favorite. Uh, um, he had pace. All the Gibbs cars had pace in during in race trim. Uh, Kyle during practice led every segment five, ten, fifteen, twenty, up to thirty laps. Uh, 30 lap pace. So the fact is the Toyotas, as per usual, on cookie cutters were up front. But in the end, Danny Hamlin dominated at uh, one of the worst racetracks they go to um, and solidified himself as a as a theoretical favorite for this championship. Uh, Clyde you know, we I was saying last week also the only person I thought out of those four that were outside that had a chance was the nine car. And, um, you know, we got some assistance uh, from the two bunch, but he also went out there and defending race winner at Kansas in this fall race. And he ran well. And uh, the 24 also ran competitively. So, and even the 48. So, the fact is, those Chevys were there. Um, even Marston was before he decided to lose his mind and jump Joey Gates. Um, so, that's a separate conversation we could have. But, you know, the the thing with uh, the nine car uh, is miraculous considering how bad the first few races were. Uh, we could make a, we could also go and extend that to the person that was, that just made it in seven in front of him, which is the defending series champion, Joey Logano. Um, 
for that for the Hendrick Motorsports team to still be alive after the way that round went. Um, I think there could also we could make go down the conspiracy theory uh, alley as well with that. But the fact is, he scored for those fourteen stage points. Basically, gave him a shot to dictate, you know, an opportunity. He wasn't beating the eleven. He said it after the race. They probably were about equal with the other Toyotas. And then outside of like Kevin, the Fords were kind of not there. So really, he had to just be best of the rest. And he did that. And frankly, good for him because now you're going to Martinsville, which is one of his best racetracks. Two, two years ago, he got dumped by Denny Hamlin and it cost him a chance at a championship. He went and re- retaliated at Phoenix, finished 15 points that year. This time, he has a real legitimate shot at one of Hendrick Motorsports' best racetracks of all time to go and lock himself in and try to get the Hail Mary, which is what NASCAR wants. Anyway, they want Clyde to win the championship. They want the most popular driver to do it. it would, even though it ain't going to make that much of a difference, they need to, they need to go and do that. But I don't, it's going to be hard for him to beat that 11 car. Uh, Denny Hamlin's on a heater, whatever he's on, whatever he's doing outside of the race car, um, whatever's going on with that. He's been a different driver this year, and there's a different motivation. But this is the same thing we were saying in 2010. And he fits a bit at Phoenix, and he went even further and just choked it away at, at Homestead. So there's no guarantees. But I'll say credit to Denny Hamlin, credit to, to Gabe Hart and that whole entire 11 team, and also to Clyde for, for driving himself into this this third round, the Elite Eight, um, being the only uh, other Chevy representative in the Elite Eight. Uh, I mean, that's uh, good for him. And I think these tracks actually fall very well for him to possibly get himself in with points, too, if it gets great. Yeah, and I'll tell you one of the more interesting things about this race was, like, as you mentioned, the Chevrolets running really good, but was the fact that, you know, teams had to really kind of debate before this race whether they wanted to trim out their race cars or go with downforce. And um, it looked like downforce won out here to, uh, on Sunday at Kansas Speedway. None of the cars that finished in the top 10 qualified in the top 10. The highest finishing car that qualified the best was uh, Martin Truex Jr. in 11th. Denny Hamlin won. He finished. He qualified 23rd. Chase Elliott qualified 14th. Kyle Busch qualified 18th. William Byron came from 25th to 5th. Harvick came from 40th to 9th. Uh, so it just shows you where these guys came from. And, and you know, the highest qualified top five car, or top ten car was Kyle Larson. The highest finishing top five qualified car was Kyle Larson in 14th. Then you got to go all the way back to Brad Keselowski in 19th. I mean, David Reagan qualified uh, in the second spot with then Daniel Hemrick taking the pole this weekend at Talladega, uh, at at Kansas Speedway, excuse me. Um, and it was sort of a wild qualifying session when you saw those two guys who aren't normally up front uh, in qualifying that were up front. And, you know, you kind of saw – I guess you kind of knew there everybody was going with downforce, but you didn't realize how much that was going to be a factor in the race. And – do you think that was the issue? Because the other issue, the other interesting part of this race, and we'll get to uh, the other chase drivers, the other playoff drivers who missed, uh, who got eliminated this weekend between Boyer, Bowman, and, and William Byron. Uh, but you know, the the biggest news of the of the weekend was Brad Keselowski because nobody really saw it coming. Uh, this was a race he won here back in the fall or in the in the spring, and he did a great job there and and held off a Hendrick Motorsports car to do it. And, you know, usually this two-team is in the ballpark. You know, we they, obviously they don't win every race. They might not run a front, but a bad day for them in 11th or 12th. Here they weren't even close. They weren't even in the ballpark. And pretty much that was, that was from the drop the green flag of this two-discount tire team, and it cost them the playoffs. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of hit. There's a lot of going back to the drawing board, a lot of decision-making that I'm sure Paul Wolf and Nakuchi for that number two team and Brad Keselowski um, are are kind of regretting what they did here this weekend with the setup they brought. 
But really, you know, unfortunately for them, really what they did was beat themselves. And, and Paul Wolf said it at the end of the race, you know, we, we can't um, we can't fix what, what's wrong with the race car. We, you know, we kind of have to bring it back to the shop and do that. Um, what were your thoughts on Kozlowski's weekend? I mean, this is a, a, an interesting package. It, this package has grown a lot since we ran it here back uh, in, I believe it was May. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's changed a lot. There's no doubt about it. I think the teams have found down for us. But uh, just the fact that Kozlowski went from winning this race uh, back in May to absolutely not even being anywhere close, uh, it was a big, the biggest shock of the day, no doubt about it. And he's now he's, you know, his, the the price he pays is he's now outside the playoffs, uh, and he will not be a two-time champion at least here in 2019. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, personal bias aside, um, it's it's frustrating. It angers me. As a uh, as a fan, that uh, but I'll I'll say this: his finishes in the in the third in this second round were 11th, 25th, and 19th. Uh, if you're gonna go and run for a championship, you can't do that. Now, granted, Talladega, if it weren't for Kyle Busch turning across his nose and taking him and and Brendan gone out, if he shoots the moon with Brendan gone, we may not be having this conversation. He may have pushed Brendan Gaughan to the win, and he has enough points. We're not having this conversation. But, of course, it's Talladega. The whole point of NASCAR going to Talladega and Daytona is to wreck half the race. They don't want to tell anybody that. They're they're talking to the LCD. Let's wreck half the race. That's what I don't like Ryan Newman, but he's right. That's all they're trying to do. He said it. They don't. They were out to lunch. They're... They were – the point is, coming into these playoffs, they've had some mediocre – like, they haven't been as consistent as they needed to be. At tracks that are bigger, yes, they finished third at Vegas to start the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, looking back, you're 19th at home at Michigan after qualifying well, which is literally what they did here. They were fastest in practice on Friday in one of the practices. And then they qualified fourth, but they didn't. They only led what two laps, it looks like, in this race. And only they didn't. It didn't look like they drew a lot of a lot of points. They didn't draw enough points. And uh, I mean, it's just just inexcusable. I mean, quite frankly, Joey Logano. I don't know what they did. They jerry-rigged that thing for two races in a row. That the left side of his car is destroyed at Talladega. He somehow or another pulled it out, got through that race. And then he got dumped by Austin Dillon or whoever after that one wreck late in the race. They destroyed the right side of that car. He somehow or another figured out a way to finish. You know, uh, I don't – the reality is they're one of the best combinations in the sport. Brad's very outspoken to his – detriment in some points, uh, but the performance at the end of the day, they haven't won a race since that race in Kansas. In They qualified fourth that day, too. They only led 12 laps that night. The fact of the matter is the, they have not performed well enough to be in this spot. So there you go. You, you, you are where you, you know, it's like you say, the the late Danny Green, they are what we thought they were. I mean, the reality is, as much as people we want to talk about the two team as being a top flight team, they have not been good enough. Uh, the two twenty two has definitely been there for most of the season. They went through a lull in the summer, and it hurt them in terms of their bonus points, which almost cost them in this round. But they're into the next round. Ryan Blaney shot the moon. And, and got in with the win at Talladega. Basically, the 12 and the 2 are going to swap roles. The 12 is considered that R&D type team, and the way they run, that's what they kind of do. But now they have to perform kind of where what the 2 is supposed to perform at, and the 2 has to be that R&D guy, and that's to be a blocker. And essentially, you know, it, it, you know, be a cycling kind of guy and be a domestique, you know, sell out to help the two and the 22, because frankly, Joe Gibbs right now has a seemingly a mortal lock on three spots. 
it's possible if you know Chase goes and wins, and one of the or Kyle Larson or somebody. You know, I mean, Kyle Larson ain't gonna win this weekend, but you know, like if Chase wins this weekend, and then at Texas, one of those non Gibbs guys wins, like Joey Logano or Ryan Blaine, then it gets interesting, really interesting at Phoenix, where where Brad could really play a role there. Um, but for them to miss this the next round. The way they did it, being completely out to lunch during this race, being lapped, and and it and then not even being a problem, like he couldn't do anything. It's not accessible. Uh, they've given away a couple of championships in 14 and 16. Uh, getting eliminated at this spot in the playoffs has been kind of the norm. They've made the final four and not been a factor a couple of years ago. The 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 fact is they're not as good as they have been in previous years. And so they kind of are where they're supposed to be. And it's disappointing. And it, and after this week, because it's Martinsville, I kind of love Martinsville. I'm not as interested in watching anyway. He dominated Martinsville. That's what makes it even worse. He he destroyed the field. He won at Martinsville. He led all but freaking, what, 54 laps of the race on in, in April. And now it won't even matter. He could win on Sunday and won't make a damn difference. Frankly, it'll help the Gibbs guys to win because then that means two people are going to make it on. So um, it's just a disappointing thing. I uh, I wouldn't have said that after two rounds that the two would have been eliminated, but they performed poorly enough that they eliminated themselves. So And he didn't have a whole lot to say either because they just missed the boat. And it doesn't happen very often for those guys. But you can't miss the boat in these playoffs. It, it really, you have to be on. If you're not on, you can miss maybe one week. But you really have to be on nine out of ten weeks in this playoff format. Or else, you know, you're really screwed. I mean, Tony did it before they came up with it, which is basically why they have we have this stupidity now. Because they wanted Tony, what Tony did to happen again. He only ran good in about seven of the ten races. Well, you know, even the way things are, you kind of need to run well in more than just seven. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too is is I just think where they where they really miscalculated or or screwed up was you know you mentioned Talladega and you're right I think Talladega. I mean, it's a it's a polarizing racetrack for t- for people because you look at it and you say it's kind of so different than anything else that we do in this sport, but, you know, we're not going to stop running Daytona and Talladega. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and Brad's probably the best plate racer we have in this sport, but you knew that going, entering this race that, you know, I remember sitting here last week and saying, well, Kozlowski, as long as something major doesn't happen to him, you know, or Chase is an extremely good day, Brad's just got to outrun the, 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 the nine car. And if he finished, eighth in stage two. I don't think that's asking too much. Or even seventeenth. Um he would have been all if finished the race in seventeenth, he would have been all right. But he didn't. And um, you know, he ends up nineteenth here and it to me it was just a, a major miscalculation. And, you know, it's funny because we saw everybody do uh people do you know, non downforce and, and and really um putting their cars at, at, at maximum speed, and then there was people who put the cars at downforce. Usually it doesn't matter in road, at, at qualifying because you can work on it and get it into race trim, but this was an impound race. So what you qualified with is what you had for the race. And that two teams, I think, you know, they, they have to, you have to approach it like they do with the Xfinity Series. The Xfinity Series, every race is an impound race. And you would think with Brett Paul Wolf, who was, uh, came up through that, now it's been a long time since he's been in the Xfinity Series, but he, he Worked in the Xfinity Series before he went to Cup, would have remembered that and said, "Hey, you know what? We need to, to kind of have a good car that races." And I think they were almost, for whatever reason, Philip, trying to hit a grand slam here when all you needed was a was a a single up the middle, you know, trying to go for it all and say, "We're going to go out there and we're not only going to win, we're going to dominate." Just you know, all you had to do to advance and to make these playoffs was to run good or decent, and they couldn't yeah. do that. So. To me, that's the biggest problem with that is I think they sort of came out with like this, 
we got to go out and we got to step on their throats. And there's a funny story, you know, um, in racing where Daryl Walter, I think it was 1980, Southern 500 or something like that, where he was out there running and, and was trying to turn the fastest lap every single lap and eventually crashed. And they said, you know, eventually you'll learn when you get a big lead, you could take it easy a little bit. And once he learned how to do that, he became a better race car driver. And it's almost like, you know, you can't go for the jugular right now. This championship isn't won at Kansas. It's won at Homestead, and you have to get the Homestead. No matter what, no matter how people feel, no matter what people think about this playoff format, that's the way it is. You have to get to Homestead. You, it's, it's a, you have to survive. And I just think this two-team was trying to go for the jugular right here and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to win this race, we're going to dominate this race, when all you had to do was say, hey, you know what, for us, where we are in points, we need to go out and have a solid day. That's it. We'll take a little downforce, we'll take a little speed away, but downforce-wise, we'll take an advantage. And if we finish seventh, we're in. I don't care. We have to go to Homestead and run for the championship. Then we'll work they only in, missed uh, by a couple uh, not, of points, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you. They only missed no, you're by good. a couple of points. Right. Right. And it's just like to me, you know, the mentality entering this race was wrong for that two team. And, and it cost them. And, again, you know, especially when you have a race where you looked at Dover wasn't the best weekend for them and they struggled to Talladega and they had that crash at Talladega, like you mentioned, late in the going. You knew that going in. To me, it was a it was a bad mentality, and it's funny you mentioned Denny Green because when I think of you know Denny Green, the ex football coach, um, when I think of Dennis Green's career as a football coach, where he was really good was a regular season, and he struggled badly in the playoffs. And everybody, yeah. if you're a Giants fan or a football fan, you remember that forty one nothing, just uh, just an absolutely uh, bloodbath it was at at Giant Stadium back in two thousand, uh, January two thousand one actually. When the Giants won 41 nothing in the NFC Championship game to advance to the Super Bowl, um, that was Dennis Green's team, and it just seemed like for whatever reason that team wasn't prepared for the playoffs. And ultimately, that cost Denny Green his job. He, he he still coached for the 2001 season, but he was fired midway through um, because he was never really able to recover after that loss. Now, this is a kind of a two-part question, but let's get into the sport. The, I hate doing this, but let's do it for fun in this conversation. The, the stick-and-ball mentality. You know, when you see a team like this, and we saw it with the New York Yankees a couple of years ago with Joe Girardi as a manager, where they don't exactly get to where they're supposed to be. I think we can all agree this two-team is supposed to be a championship contender, supposed to make it to the next round. You know, nobody expected them to, to be out this early. Um, is this a fireable offense if, if, for Paul Wolf yet? Or how many times do they have to keep doing this? Because you've mentioned this in the past. They've never really, since they've won it, They've never really been that team where you sit there and you go, oh, watch that two-team in these playoffs. They have a good regular season. Last year, if you remember, they won three consecutive races. This year, they won three races. And it looked like everything was going in the right direction for this two-team. They got off to a great start for these playoffs, fourth at Richmond, fifth at Charlotte, uh, third at Las Vegas. It was a, a, a great start to the playoffs, and then they kind of coughed it up here a little bit. I, I think you're – you know, you talked about how this relationship and how good Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski are together. Uh, they've been together for a long time. But to me, you have to start winning championships if you're going to be talked about into the, like the Chad Canassas and the Jimmy Johnson of the world or the, the Dale Edmonds and the Richard Petty's of the world. And right now they're a team that just in this format haven't really been able to figure out the playoffs. So what are your thoughts on, on Paul Wolf and, and this two teams' future here, Philip? You're a fan of this team. I know that. And, and – uh, I'm sure you love Paul Wolf, and he does a great job, but it just seems like every year, for whatever reason, they have some struggles when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Girardi because there's news or whatever coming out, and I know for your team, being a Mets fan, we're, we're deviating off of NASCAR into our baseball team. But bringing up Joe Girardi in his notebook is, uh, could be a soft, be a sore spot, but um. When it comes to Paul Wolf, for sure. uh, Penske, Penske is very he's he's good about loyalty in terms of what his drivers want, and he's he doesn't pull a trigger unless he has a feeling or he sees something that's off, and that's the reason why he's a multi-billionaire. Freaking American manufacturer, every car manufacturer wanted him to run their company, 
Uh, and he runs multiple companies that are in Australia as well. Um, the fact is, I I I heart I liken what happened here on Sunday, not compared to other years where Brad, especially 14 and 16, where they legitimately were contenders, and Brad gave it away. I honestly believe it was more to do with Brad and his attitude in 14 that he gave it away, and in 16, you know, just bad circumstances and, you know, bad luck and whatever. In this case, they didn't perform. Um, but uh, they're not firing players. Uh, there's nobody there that can take over, that can lead that organization as good as Paul Wolf. Uh, the fact that that Paul and, and Brad have a great relationship, they're not going to, that's not going to happen. There's, they're not going to make that change. I, I just don't see it. If they make a change, who knows? I, I don't I don't see it because what is what is the move? You're not you're not gonna move Paul Wolf off that box. What are you gonna do? Put him with the twelve? Okay, maybe maybe you go and say, All right, fine. Let's do a swap. Let's put what's his face with with uh, with Brad and we'll just swap teams or something. Maybe. I, I, I find that to be a very low percentage um possibility. I think at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you look at Joey Logano, he missed the playoffs for one year, and they probably could have fired uh, and fired a screw chief right after that. But they Todd kept Gordon, him together, right. Todd Gordon, and then they kept him together. He goes out there, he puts his big boy pants on, he said off rig, and he went and, and used up the uh, – he moved Martin Turek, made the final round, and he went and beat Martin Turek straight up at, at, at Homestead. At the end of the day, for all that Joey Logano and Todd Gordon have been through, and the fact is they're the defending series champion. But he didn't move. They they could have. They really could have made that change at that point. For how many years Todd Gordon they very well could have. that team, and they didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not moving off of Paul Wolf because the fact is there's not very many people that could put up with Brad and the way that he is. And I also take the fact that Paul Wolf used to be a driver, a moderately successful driver that was actually a prospect many years ago, 15 years ago, to the point that Raymond right. had him in one of his cars. He understands the point is these this rules package is abysmal. Now I could go off on a 15-minute tangent on that, and we probably have before this this show and other shows. <laughs> In the end, you know, you have to, and that's the excuse that people who, who love Clint Boyer, you know, even though the fact is two out of the three years he's been at Stewart Oz, he hasn't really been that good. They want to blame right. Bugger Rabbit. I blame the driver. It's a, it's a thing. Everyone loves Clint Boyer. People just like, so look. The fact is, I, just, I think with another year, with this rules package, they always seem to start out fast. And then they kind of struggle. Then they kind of pick up during the start of the fall, around fall in the fall, and then they kind of lose it. So what it is, is the the fact is Kyle Busch, I don't like him, but he showed, he has proven what you need to do. There has to be a consistency, even if you are generally mediocre, which the point is he hasn't been great in these playoffs. People don't want to admit it or don't want to talk about it. He has not been great in these playoffs. But he earned the right to kind of fail through because he won stages. He he got the playoff points. He won races. Right. So he's got extra points. When you do that, you give yourself the leeway. And that's how you have to do this. And that's what Martin Truex is doing. So the game that Penske, I know this is long, long-winded, but the game that the team has to prove and has to go to for 2020 and also for the 12 team, no matter what happens, unless he pulls a Hail Mary and he wins his championship, is you have to focus on maximizing every point because every yeah. point counts. Because now, because of the way that NASCAR wants to do things with these stages and doing whatever, 
winning stages matters just as much as winning a race. Because in the end, if you win a bunch of stages, look at freaking Chris Bell. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But you can win all these stages. You can basically airmail your way into home. So do that. Go right. win stages. Win a couple races. Go and, and, and just manage yourself. Stay out of the way. Manage yourself. And you're just going to sail a couple rounds in. You have to show up in the third round. The third round next year kind of falls a little better, even for the two teams. You go and get yourself in the ISM, and the ISM is a freaking coin. So that's that's what I think. You just have to you have to work into the mode, and I in and, and focus yourself a little better, and I think they'll be fine. I think 2020 they'll they'll I think Brad after he has a second kid, he's going to be in a better place. He's going to be like in a mode that he needs to perform. There's a possibility, a strong possibility. Unless there are Steve rumors on Twitter, I don't know if it's coming out. Right, that's a whole special well, thing. But yeah, the the, the thing to, I I have to say is is just that you know you brought up a tremendous point about Todd Gordon and uh, and Joe Logano and the fact that they they could have made a move there, especially after the whole debacle at Richmond later that went on there. Um, but they didn't, and sometimes the best move to make is the is to not make a move at all, and other times you also can say, you know, overreaction is the first sign of dysfunction for sure. And I think Roger Penske lives by those that motto for sure, and I don't see them making a move, but I just think in the next couple of years, if you see this two team continuing to do this, continuing to sort of fall short of what their expectations are, then you're going to sit there and you're going to say, maybe it's time to make a change there. And as crazy as that sounds, I don't think it would be um, too far off the cuff because, again, you just can't keep fall, failing your expectations. And their expectations, to me, this two-team, with Kozlowski, with the potential they have, I think Kozlowski is a top-five driver, and I think Paul Wolf's a top-five crew chief. So they should be close to or in Homestead pretty much every year like we see with the four-team, and they haven't been there. Uh, they haven't done that a lot. So it's just kind of a little bit of head-scratching. 917-889-8280. to call Quentin here from Minnesota is calling. And he wanted to bring up a point about uh, data sharing and, and teams kind of keeping their info here during the playoffs. What do you want to talk about, Quentin? Uh, I know you, you discussed, um, you know, maybe that, that teams aren't all of a sudden now the resources and everything that's going to go on here between teammates is probably going to go out the window. Am I, am I picking that up right? Well, the first thought was that now this year Gibbs has three teams in. Uh, now we have two Penske teams in, but they're – you know, the the guard has changed a little bit on that. And originally they had three going into the eight. And then, of course, we only have one from Seward House Racing. And also, uh, who am I missing? Uh, Chase Elliott? Yes? Correct? And Carlos. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I yeah, mean, there's, <clears throat> there's less, yes. There's less, uh, there's less members to trade around for the Gibbs team. Whereas last year it was the Stuart Haas team that was uh, uh, putting the cream of the crop into the pit road and taking the best bullet out of the garage, the engine, um, you know, and putting in their uh, top contender. How do you guys think that's going to shake up with Gibbs as far as, uh, you know, now you got Denny Hamlin's back on top and you got the new guy. Martin Truex, not really a new guy. He was in there too last year. But how would you guys, if you had three teams? Listen, I think it's gonna, I would, I would do my best to make sure all three of them have what, exactly what they need. Um, you know, the good, one of the the positive things about Toyota is, as far as car count, and I always kind of get on them because it seems like they spend too much money on driver development and not on getting enough teams. But the teams they have are very, very good. Uh, they have five teams, and all five of them made the playoffs this year, and they're very, very good. So you don't have to worry about you know one team really being way below somebody else. I think all these teams pretty much work in unison in the Toyota camp, and and with data sharing and all that kind of stuff. And really, what you look at is the crew chiefs of that team. You know, I think why Martin Truex Jr. is part of the reason why he is where he is is because he's got Cole Pern, who in the garage area is a top three crew chief. Uh, Denny Hamlin this yes, year. Sir. Last year wasn't nearly – in the last couple of years, he wasn't nearly as good. This year, he's got a new crew chief. Bam, he's taken off. Adam 
Stevens with Kyle Busch. Um, Kyle Busch talks at nauseum how great Adam Stevens is there for him. You know, and that's the thing that's, that is underrated is, is – and we, kind of what we were discussing about with Kozlowski and Paul Wolf was it's the ma- that's the magic to me. The, the, under, the relationship between a driver and a crew chief, the way they can uh, communicate with each other, that is the magic. That's what Jimmy and Chad had all those years. That is where you win, win and lose races. I really think it is, and, and whether it comes down to you know, the conversations they have on Mondays in the, in the department meetings or on, during the races saying, hey, you know what, here's what we need to do better. That's where the magic is, and if you can find your guy, you can find your crew chief, you're going to go up there and you're going to compete. Harvick every single year since he's been at Stuart Haas has been up there because he has Rodney Childers. He never had a crew chief anywhere close to Rodney Childers. At RCR, it's not like Kevin Harvick all of a sudden just learned how to be a championship race car driver. He's always been a championship mm-hmm. race car driver. He just needed the best crew chief to bring it out in them. So to me, I, you know, especially from the Toyota camp, and I'm not going to ask Philip this, especially for the Toyota camp, I think um, they're pretty much all one team working in unison. Now, I don't know how it goes with other teams, whether or not, you know, one team is, is sort of favored over the other or – or stuff like that. But what are your thoughts on that, Philip? I mean, we want to see that, I think, maybe like in the 90s when you had these veteran drivers in there and two teams worked totally independently a, a lot of the times. You know, some some teams work at a completely different shops. But now that these teams work in shops, they build the race cars pretty much the same with these machines now, um, which, which pretty much the same engines which they can mass produce now. Uh, I think pretty much as far as, you know, like you said, getting the, getting the, the number one bowling out. I'm not sure that that's a a thing so much anymore. What are your thoughts on that, Philip? Am I wrong on that? No, I don't, I mean I I find the the I mean it's a good point you brought up in terms of you know we're bringing up here in terms of the Bill Gibbs guy because you look at all three of these guys are big. There's big egos. There's a lot going on here and. The fact that they're all in this, and like in Kyle Busch's case, he's probably been the best overall driver over the regular season playoff. Nah, not so much. Martin Truex in the first part of early in the season was kind of getting his legs. After a couple of months, he's probably been up there as one of the top three guys. And Danny Hamlin's having theoretically a career year. So you're talking about Joe Gibbs is having to balance three guys, of course, being the Hall of Fame NFL coach, some of the egos he's had to handle in his in his NASCAR ownership career, a.k.a. Tony Stewart. Um, but I think this is the biggest job he's going to have because there's a, a very real possibility that he's going to have, you know, 75% of this final four here. And how are you going to balance that out? I mean, sure, PRD, they want to win this championship and they want to do, you know, it's all fine and well. But it's a re- very real possibility, this data sharing amongst the Toyota teams. I mean, they have five legitimate teams, four of them made it. E-Burrito, one, one Reddit, didn't make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, like, I, I'm curious to see what would happen if those three cars actually made it to Homestead and who that fourth car will be. Because I swear that fourth car will be in an advantage. Um, it happened last yeah. year with, with Joey Logano. And, and I also see the fact that Ford now only has to focus, theoretically, Penske is its own entity, and then you have Stuart Haas. I think it's all negligible amongst the Ford camp. Chevy is just out there on the outside, and they can kind of roll the dice. The two Hendrick cars with Chase and with Kyle Larson, they're working with house money. They could, if they don't make it to the Final Four, it's whatever. If they do make it to the Final Four, especially if it's Kyle Larson, it's something. Or, you know, whether it's Logano or Harvick, you know, one or both of those guys, one of those guys could actually do something. I think the data sharing and where all that goes kind of goes with how are you going to manage those three egos getting to that championship race? And how are you going to figure out a way that they don't go and dump each other? Because Kyle Bush is liable to dump anybody to go and win. And Denny Hamlin's never won a championship, so you don't know what he's going to do. 
And Mark Truex mm-hmm. says, yeah, well, look at me. I'm the new guy. I want to go and beat Kyle Busch and piss him off. So that, that's the thing. That's what I see there. You know, I, I see that with Toyota kind of working against them. They get 75% of the final. You know, a real quick speed bit there is that, uh, you know, going into the uh, top eight, Keselowski missed it by a hair. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they had all three in their camp. Uh, you want to add the 21? Well, I don't right now. <laughs> Not this year, at least. Uh, that I don't think, because when you look at his finishing and how little he missed it by, my God. And, uh, but without being able to pull resources from another team, look at where Keselowski ended up. Yeah, and I yeah, think they, they, they have to. Right, and I think what, what you know, they all went to their sponsors. I mean, you got to remember, they probably charge, I don't know what who's going to be on that car this weekend at Martinsville. I don't have it in front of me, but it's irrelevant. Uh, whatever sponsor on it, they have to go out there and win, and they can win that. Now, there will there'll be an opportunity to where, hey, uh, if Brad Kislowski might be on the lead lap and there's top, there's 10 cars on the lead lap and he's pitting in front of the two, the 22 car or the 12 car, and he says, you know what, I'll, I'll spare you a little bit. I'll, I'll give you a break, and I'll come in a lap later so I don't uh, impede your progress because you're still in the playoffs. Sure, he might do that. So that's gamesmanship. But I don't think that two teams going to forfeit anything. Now, they might also do a long run in, in a practice session. I can totally see him doing that to where they'll say, hey, you know what, we'll, do, we'll be this kind of a scapegoat in practice. Whatever, you know, we'll do an R&D session. Whatever you guys need us to do in practice, we're going to do that. But when that green flag drops – on Sunday, I don't think they're going to sit there and go, okay, our our mission is to get the 22 and 12 to victory lane. Their mission should be to get the 2 to victory lane and capitalize on this because they're going to be in an opportunity here in a year from now. You know that's too far with where they are every year. They're going to be there in a year from now or two years, three years from now in this same situation, and you want to act and have the mentality of we can go to Martinsville and we can win. We can go to, to Texas and we can win. We can go to Phoenix and we can win. And have that mentality of win, win, win. I don't think that will that would do anybody uh, any disservice if they do that. So um, there certainly will be some gamesmanship there. I think as far as Kozlowski helping out his teammates. But when that green flag drops on on Sunday, I think Brad's going to try and go and go to victory lane. I think that's the only option they have. I would. Right. And the only last well, little tidbit on that is that. Uh, it it always brings me back to the year that Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon switched pit crews because one was a contender, the other one wasn't. And so I'm always going to be reminded of that when uh, teams start to get down to the uh, final races. Yeah, and that, that, again, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a team does that if if they feel like the two pit crews is a little bit better than the 12 or the 22 and vice versa. I wouldn't be surprised to see that something like that happen going in the homestead. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. I think that's, that's kind of um, the, 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 you know, the perk of being a four car or three car operation over there at team Penske. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they play it out. I mean, I'm sure there's no doubt Brad and, and that organization and that team is very, very disappointed with how that, with how their run came out. And you, you talked about it. You're right. They missed by just a little bit, but, that whole race at Kansas, I mean, they just from start to finish, they should be disappointed with how they performed because um, it was it was a disaster from from start to finish for that team. But Quentin, thanks so much. And and when is your show on? Do you want to talk about your show quick? When Actually, is your show on? I'm taking tomorrow off because I'm going to be uh, doing a show with a guy out in Spokane, Washington. But nice. I'll be back on on uh, Speedway anywhere on BlogTalkRadio.com on uh, Monday at 7 p.m. my time, uh, 8 o'clock your time. Great. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly tune in there, and, and anybody that's listening to this show want to tune in there, certainly do so. He has a great show there, Speedway Anywhere, on Monday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, that's Quentin Reed, who uh, is, is a co is a shares the uh, the blog talk airways with us here uh, in motorsports is concerned. But, um, yeah, you know, what about the other drivers, Philip? as far as uh, the other three who got eliminated before the Xfinity Series? I want to preview Martinsville here quick. Before we get out of here, um, you know, Bowman, 
Boyer and, and Byron. I, I think, you know, when we kind of looked at last week and, and talked about th- what they needed to do, I think everybody pretty much knew they were going to miss. Uh, I thought Byron put up a really good fight. He had a good, 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 strong race car all day long there on, on Sunday at Kansas. Uh, Boyer was kind of what he was all year. He's, they, they don't really run great, but they run okay. He was a top 10 car, and he's really a top 10 car all year. They, they, had a t- they had a terrible about six races in the middle of the year that really put him in a tailspin. And then Bowman, who actually they actually had a pretty good race there as well, but they've been really struggling since his win at Chicago. Um, what are your thoughts on those three, and uh, what are your thoughts on their year before we move to the Xfinity Series and preview Martinsville? Yeah, I mean, I've been a little more outspoken on Clint Boyer compared to, you know, others, especially on one of the pages I'm on on social media, um, well-liked amongst many fans, but his performance in the 14 car hasn't really deserved the kind of job security that he's gotten, and quite frankly, being one of the close friends of Tony Stewart has probably been the reason why he's kept his job. Um, I wasn't surprised he didn't make it. Everyone talks about, oh, can he finally win at home? And he did what he usually did. William Byron had a career year this year, and he has one of the greatest rookies of all time. Uh, do I believe he's an elite talent? I don't believe so, but what I do think is it's Chad Canals's way, kind of like how Bill Belichick wanted to use Jimmy Garoppolo and try to go and say, I can take a second quarterback and be a great coach and win the same two. But he really wasn't given that opportunity to of Tom Brady, so they traded him to San Fran, which is good for me. San Fran, uh, San Francisco 49ers fan, but that's beside the point. William Byron, I think, uh, is, gonna, is the biggest beneficiary in terms of that whole deal, and I think the possibility of him winning his first race is there. Um, I don't think it'll happen this next four races. I do believe early in 2020, since it doesn't seem like they're going to make any changes uh, to the rules. So um, I think he's got potential uh, going into 2020 for a breakout type year. Um, when it comes to Alex Bowman, um, we talked about it when the, the playoffs started that his performance after winning at Chicago hadn't been great. Um, he was spending more time getting into run-ins with other drivers. Um, it's whatever. He kind of performed about where he has been this whole entire time, and the 88 car was just slightly better than what Junior was doing after 2015. Um, so, and I don't know who the sponsors are going to be, but, you know, he still got a job. And I guess we'll see uh, what happens with that going into uh, yep. next year. Yeah, and it's going to be. I think the big thing for Chevrolet is going to be to see what they can do with this with this Camaro, and whether they're going to change the nose on the front nose or on it or not. Or they're going to have a completely new car for 2020. There's been some rumors about really about both of them. Um, yeah. So be interesting to see what goes on with Chevrolet and, and see if they can get themselves a little bit more competitive. NASCAR Xfinity Series Kansas Lottery 300. Again, I want to do, go over this briefly. It was a win by Brandon Jones in his first career Xfinity Series victory. Driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. Tyler Reddick was second. Chase Briscoe third. Uh, Michael Annette fourth. Justin Allgaier fifth. And it was Clements, Haley, John Hunter, maybe check, Ryan Sieg, and Ross Chastain rounding out the top ten. Uh, the big, really the couple of big things here um, was the accident between uh, Garrett Smithley, um, Chase Briscoe, and Christopher Bell. Uh, that got a lot of play this weekend as far as uh, apparently Smithley didn't see the car, the leaders coming and sort of got in their way and impeded their progress, caused a major accident and took out a couple of contenders who were running for the championship. Uh, if you missed that, you know, that was a kind of a big story this weekend as well. Brandon Jones getting his first win, of course. Um, you know, but a lot of, to me, there was a lot of problems. A lot of leaders had problems there. Um, you know, we were talking about Briscoe's issue. I think Reddick had some issues as well. So uh, Brandon Jones was sort of the survival, survival mode, and he was able to pull it off and win, get his first career victory. Uh, and you look at the playoffs here quick, you know, right now it's it's Bell, Custer, and Reddick, and they're way ahead of the rest of the field. And Allgaier's fourth, 47 points back. Reddick's, he, he's uh, 35 points back at Tyler Reddick in third. So those three should make it 
uh, to Homestead, no problem, unless some other driver, two other drivers win here at um, – it's going to be next weekend's race. They're going to run Texas and then Phoenix for them to end their season before they go to Homestead. Um, and then you have uh, Chase Briscoe, fifth, Michael Annette, Bill Gregson, and Austin Sidgick sitting out right now so far outside the playoffs. The Sidgick had a rough day. He got into it with, I believe it was John Hunter Nemechek there as well on the racetrack. Um, so a, a tough day for him as well. Uh, so what were your thoughts on, on the Xfinity Series race, the whole Xfinity Series deal there um, at Kansas Speedway? It was an exciting race for sure. It was the better race of the two. Uh, the Xfinity Series, I think, this year has put on the best overall racing out of the three because it's the one series they haven't manipulated to the point where it becomes like IROC. Uh, we've seen three guys. They always want to talk about the big three, and they were all up front at some point during the day. Bell and Custer won the two stages. Tyler Reddick was running the board, as Jeff Burton said, and he was making it work. But once the, the reality was both both days, the low line didn't work on each start. He got bogged down. Uh, Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer got into a slap fight with each other, which was funny. And then all the pit crew guys decided to get into it. Just bad. I wish these drivers would be allowed to just beat the crap out of each other. It would be, be more entertaining. And NASCAR would benefit more from it since they love this crap. Uh, as a Chase Briscoe fan and somebody who picked Chase Briscoe to win this race, the fact that Garrett Smithley cleared himself across four lanes right in front of him uh, pathetic. Uh, the fact that Derek Smithley is oblivious to reality, and he threw not only his his uh, uh, spotter and other people under the bus, kind of bad. Um, I mean, I the the fact that lap cars and there was an issue all weekend uh, with lap cars. Uh, there, I don't know what they do in these NASCAR. Uh, meetings, whatever, when they have these pre-race meetings about people holding a line. The reality is most people were running the high line. You shouldn't be anywhere. And you shouldn't be clearing yourself four lanes across the low with your right on the white line. Of course, I'm not a driver, but, you know, I think that's just like 101 uh, race car driving. Don't clear yourself across the of the race. Uh, but uh, and Chase Briscoe, but the good thing is, somehow or another, damaged race car, Chase Briscoe recovered, got a third-place finish. It's literally Justin Allgaier and Chase Briscoe for the final spot uh, to make it in the homestead, um, which is going to be a very interesting race for sure. Uh, but, hey, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in Texas in a couple of weeks. But it could have been a big deal for Briscoe to make that that uh, run to boot and made it on uh, big three guys if they really wanted to make it in. For sure. And, um, yeah, it was – I'm, I'm with you on the lap cars. It just seems like for whatever reason the last few years they've been different, whether or not it's just because you can't run different lines because of the tire and these way these cars are and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I don't know – I'm not trying to kill Gareth Smithley here, but I – Sometimes you can understand where they're coming from if they're racing at another car in their fourth position. Even if they're not fourth position, they're just trying to get around a car. Uh, they're running their own race. And, and, and what drives me crazy sometimes is, and I don't mean to go on a little bit of off topic here, but what drives me crazy sometimes is none of these drivers nowadays who are in these top-tier rides have ever been in a ride that they had to really struggle with. Uh, never been in these smaller rides. Um, so they don't know what it feels like to be in that situation. They don't know what it's like to be in that situation. Now, Bowman is a little bit different scenario because he's run for BK. He did all of that kind of stuff, Tommy Baldwin racing as well. There's a few guys who have been in that, but most, for the most part, you know, Chase Elliott, for example, and I like Chase Elliott a lot. I think he's a good driver, um, but he's never really been in anything else but junior motorsports and a Hendrick Motorsports car, and that's not his fault. It's just he's never been in that situation. Joe Logano, too. Logano, Joe, Joe Gibbs racing – um, he's ne- never really been in in this Kyle Busch never been in that in their way like these guys used to where they had to work their way up into a good ride. They just sort of start in good rides now. So that is that bothers me a little bit when they kind of hit on these guys saying, "Oh, they're out of the way." Or, 
But I, to this weekend, I can't really, I can't really defend that. I just thought, I just think it was a, a lapse in judgment either from Smithley or his spotter let him down, or on both of them where they kind of sat there and said, we, we both screwed up. But they, they need to, especially that late in the race where both drivers are competing for a championship, they got to use their brains a little bit better than what they did at Kansas Speedway, no doubt about that. This weekend, Philip, you got Martinsville Speedway, one of my most favorite um, stops on the circuit. Uh, at Martinsville, like I, Truck Series, of course, is, is going to be a fun race on Saturday, and then the Cup Series race on Sunday. Um, it's going to be wild to see who can who can pull it off here at Martinsville. You know, we saw Kyle Busch, if you remember, ran this Truck Series race um, back in April when they went to the trucks there at Martinsville last time we were there. He's not running this weekend, and the guy who finished second to him, who was really the only one that had any uh, chance to even win, close to, to winning there was Ross Chastain. Chastain's come down to earth a little bit with this 45 team. I hope it's not that everybody's kind of caught up to him. Uh, but he should be a factor this weekend as well. What are your thoughts on, on the Truck Series race here quick, the NASCAR Hall of Fame 200 from the uh, Martinsville Speedway? Yeah, I figure this is the spot where uh, Ross Chastain locks himself into the Final Four. Uh, the way that that 45 team has performed on the flat racetrack, no matter the size, um, I think they've been the best team in that in that segment. So I think this is a spot for him and Phil Gould to uh, pay it off and uh, get themselves in. Um, I'm sure uh, Spencer will be happy with that pick. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, Crafton hasn't won in a while. Can't count outdoor sports. They always seem to be there. Donnie Slaughter is one of the best there. You can't stand not being on the course with uh, the 24 with Fred Moffitt. But I really do believe this is the spot where Ross Chastain knocks himself in. And even if he doesn't, I think he doesn't lose anything. He puts himself into a better position to where if he goes to ISM, he can go and do it there I also. So I, that's my take on the yeah, for sure. I, I think this truck series is always a fun race because you see some drivers who are young kids. There's kids with three holes actually uh, running in a 30 truck this weekend. His there, uh, it's Danny Bond who his dad's a modified driver. They've been around, and so is his grandfather. They've been around forever. So, um, kind of cool to see all that going on there. Uh, that's what, one of the things I look forward to with Martinsville. Is who's these young kids that I've never really seen before? Um, and there's only a couple of them this weekend. So. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch, see how Stuart Friesian can do as well. You know, there's still a playoff run there going on in the truck series. It's going to be wild to see how all that plays out there. John Hunter Newcheck's in the eight. Of course, no 87 this weekend, so no Joe Newcheck this weekend. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on there if you're a fan of that team as well. Cup Series event, uh, obviously, it's the um, NASCAR Cup Series event from Martinsville Speedway. It's going to be awesome to see uh, exactly what goes on. Um, there, it's going to be the first day of 500 from Martinsville Speedway. Uh, there's 38 cars down this weekend. Um, nobody really standing out, but what do you expect you're going to see? I mean, we talked about Chase Elliott. This is his best racetrack. To me, this is his only opportunity to win. Uh, or excuse me, it's his best opportunity to win at Martinsville. We saw Logano here last year. Uh, he had a great run here, moving Martin Trucks Jr. out of the way, if you remember, in the playoffs. He won here. He always runs good here. Truex runs good here, obviously. A lot, of, a lot of these guys come from a short track background, Phillip, so really um, it, it could be anybody's race. That's what makes Martinville so competitive and so much fun. What are your thoughts on the Cup Series race here um, this weekend at Martinsville? It's, it's really wide open for a lot of these guys. Uh, I mean, the home game, one of the home games for him to lock himself into the final round, it wouldn't be shocking at all. Of course, consider why you already mentioned him and champion defending serious champion Joey Logano. Those are two people that are have a real chance. I also consider I would you know take a wild card pick on Blaney. He ran well in the spring there. Um, it hasn't been one of his better racetracks, but you consider that he's in here. He's a wild card as it is. Brad doesn't have anything to run for. You get a little help from the two car, maybe you go and put yourself in a better position. But um, I I think it starts and ends with the eleven. Uh, you can't 
count his teammate out in the 18 who hasn't really done much this playoffs. But it's really the 11 and the 9. I think what we saw in 17 could happen again in 19. And uh, I'll say Chase Elliott will get himself into the final four. It's going to be fun to see who can compete for a win this weekend. Uh, it's really, like you said, anybody's race is wide open. I'm going to go Logano and that Shell Penzoil car and see what they can do uh, this weekend at Martinsville. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles. I want to thank Quentin Reed for calling in as well. Uh, he brought a lot of fun to the show. And um, we'll see you guys next time here. We'll be here this time next week, 8.30 again on Wednesday. We'll break down Martinsville. We'll preview Texas and talk about all the news in between, if there is news in between here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time.